learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. The remote work mandate is still proving to be challenging for a lot of companies. Work from home is here to stay, and we have to embrace the changes. So there's a lot more to do than just making sure your employees are getting the job done. Today, we're discussing how to get your IT infrastructure dialed in to increase performance in your business. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Greg Keller. He is the CTO of JumpCloud. Greg is responsible for productizing and launching the company's initial directory service product offering to the market in 2014. He is a career product visionary and executive management leader with over two decades of product management, product marketing, and corporate development experience ranging from startups to global organizations, which is what makes Greg the perfect expert for today's topic. Greg, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Rick, I better back that up. Uh, (laughs) I am honored to be here. Thank you so much for the warm intro. Yeah, you better back that up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Today, we're going to discuss a few things. We're going to cover IT challenges in our new corporate normal. And we're going to talk about some of the hiring and onboarding challenges that are inherent in the IT department right now. And then we're going to give a roadmap of how you can get your company ahead of the curve from an IT perspective. Sound like fun? It does. It does. It's my life. I know. It's your life. It's my life. We got a great life. (laughs) So let's dig into the IT challenges. So what are the IT challenges that companies are facing right now from your perspective? So it's an interesting question. And I think this whole pandemic we are all painfully living through has really exacerbated things. Let me give you an example. I think if you have listeners on the call right now working for companies and their companies are, you know, three to five years old, they're probably scratching their heads thinking, what's the big deal? Working from home is is very instinctive. I would also wager that a number of your listeners actually don't come from companies representative of that demographic. These are companies beyond five years old, 10 years old, large conglomerates. These are companies that have built upon IT foundations that are strong, prototypically very brittle. They were built at a time 10, 15 years ago, beyond where the brick and mortar, your actual office, the place you physically went to really was the definition of their IT network. And I'm sure a lot of people can empathize with what that is like, so much so that they walked into their office and they have an immobile desktop sitting there. Now, what do they do when their job requires some sort of computing? What do you do? How can you do that work from home? To answer your question, Rick, directly, the challenge is how can you replicate securely the practices and processes of an employee that they would perform in an office at home and do so securely? And this has caused a lot of frustration and frankly panic amongst very hardened, very professional IT folks who are scrambling to figure out what to do. That is true. And actually, among leadership, I think a lot of CEOs have been panicking about this, independent of the IT leadership, right? That's right. That's right. All right. So let's talk about the new normal in IT. So you've got a lot of environments that have been on-prem IT environments. Is this forcing us to do away with that? 
In large part, yes. I think we're through the looking glass, so to speak. And this really has brought to light cloud computing and where it's been a dream for many organizations to sort of get proverbially there, where the there equals the cloud. They're doing so in a very compressed amount of time. So let me give you an example. IT systems typically were sort of built and installed and managed on-premise, as you say, on-prem. So much so that if you have any gray hair like I do and growing fast now in this, you know, building these companies. Shave it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the reality is you probably remember server closet. Like if you have that sort of memory, you're my people first and foremost. But the reality is that is going away in large part, but people are trying to figure out how to get the last remaining bits and pieces off premise and up into the cloud. Those last bits and pieces are the most important pieces. They are what typically would be referred to by an IT person as a directory. Think of this as the system where your credentials are managed. And Rick, if you walked into your office and you wanted to get access to some application, well, you'd log into your workstation and guess what? It says to this thing inside of a server clause, hey, is this really Rick? If so, let him into the resources we can give him access to, like file servers and other things, right? Fast forward, the cloud and now this pandemic and work from home requirement has absolutely detonated that concept. This is really the area where you can take a laptop home, but I'll be damned if it's easy to get connectivity to those on-premise resources. Is there more of a scenario where what you're doing is logging on, kind of doing work, saving it, and then downloading it once you've gotten into the system later on? It, essentially, yes. Like you're blessed basically if you're using some sort of cloud-based collaborations like Office 365 or G Suite. I mean, that's a prototypical approach, but what happens when, here's a good use case. We have a number of customers who are in media, advertising, visual media, they don't use virtually any cloud computing because they have these massive media files that have to stay on premise. And yet these workers are forced to go home, often with MacBooks or with Windows machines, and they still are required to work. So implementation of things like VPN, which often didn't exist in many of these organizations, and most importantly, maintaining security in that an IT guy doesn't know what it's like for you to work at home. He doesn't know if you're getting on your child's Windows machine that your teenager has been surfing bad internet sites and is riddled with malware, they don't have control over that. So this whole concept of trust is really a big part of this. Access and trust. These are now the watchwords of IT and figuring out how does that translate to a modern work from home world or remote world. So I think the third thing that I hear is productivity, right? So there's a big concern from CEOs or from leadership that, hey, if they're working from home, how do I know they're actually working from home? But I've heard from quite a few CEOs that actually productivity has gone up. Our guest a couple of weeks ago was saying that they've actually figured out that they had too many people. They had people they didn't really need and they didn't have enough work to keep them busy. So it's actually forced them to go granular into their business and understand the fact that they have people that they don't need and they're able to look at things and work on upgrading at some point as well. Yeah, I can speak from two lenses there. One is our own internal lens. We're a company that is still hiring, but we're watching both our customer base, which there really is no vertical. We have old school manufacturing to new school SaaS-based companies that come and use our product line. Let me split that into two parts. One is if productivity. I don't think when we look at a manager or an executive suite wanting to evaluate the performance of workers at home and are they really working? I'm seeing less of that. I think that there's bigger fish to fry. I do see, however, an immediate 
exposure of the tooling and the cost behind that of what is really needed and what is not. For example, we've seen folks that when they leave the on-premise world and they're forced to work remotely, they need access to tools and there aren't enough licenses to go around. That's an immediate exposure of how to be productive is you need the tooling in your hands or on your computer in order to do that work. The same works in the inverse. You see a disproportionate amount of underutilization of licensing on desktops and laptops that can be transported and redistributed to other workers. So it's pretty interesting when you look at the analysis of what goes on on a machine, like the laptop I'm speaking to you from, which is my corporate laptop, being able to understand the utilization of resources on that type of asset is quite remarkable. That's the first point. Your second point about workforce utilization also is interesting. We are seeing both a contraction, meaning companies that either furloughing or otherwise need to dispatch with parts of their workforce, quite literally releasing them from work. There's no way around it. Companies have varying business models. If you are a storefront oriented business, who we have many customers like that, you're not getting foot traffic. You unfortunately have to cover costs. You have to pay rent. Therefore, you need to look at your expenditure on your headcount. There's a lot of painful decisions going on right now. I mean, I'm witnessing it. So let's translate this then to for those companies that are hiring right now, which I think there's a lot of opportunistic hiring that's going on. There is, yeah. And companies that have been able to thrive through this are hiring. So what are the IT challenges in the hiring process? We've had to switch 100% to video interviews. What about from an IT perspective? What are the challenges there? The first is for your listeners, those that are not looking at this moment who work for companies that can hire, if you're not looking at this moment as an opportunity to get talent, you're not doing it right. So that's my little asterisk to that comment. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I think there's an amazing talent pool coming online that work for great companies that just can't afford them right now. You should benefit from that if you have the opportunity to do so. That aside, yes, let me explain what our process is. We're a software company, modern progressive, about six years old, a few hundred employees. And our interview process typically would be about a day and it would be a full day stacked. Prior to that, you would have phone interviews and the normal screenings and these kinds of things. But generally speaking, my punchline here is it was all in person. So this has changed. The process now that we're going through is again, number one, 100% remote. All the screening, everything is as normal. We then will use Google Hangouts or Zoom in order to just get some FaceTime with the candidate. Then we break down things very specifically to, as an example, in engineering, we do a panel interview. So we give our engineers an assignment. They have to codify the assignment and then they present and listen to feedback from other very senior engineers who will evaluate their performance in the homework assignment. So all of that now takes place through the basics of the internet using, in our case, Google or Zoom. Are there any security challenges with that? Yes. I've heard people ask, hey, Zoom secure, and there was some news going around about it. From an IT perspective, from security being the main thing, is there anything there that you have to be aware of? Yes. In fact, that is a great point. I'll speak to some things that people probably normally wouldn't think of. And I come at this because our company happens to be a security company. When you generalize the market that we serve, it's the security industry. We have ridiculous security restrictions, including interviewing. So let me give you an example. We happen to be a Google customer. So we have special enclaves that are designed for outsiders. So there is no possible way to pop or penetrate into our own network or documentation. All of our engineers are trained in order to ensure that a person's private Gmail address isn't invited into enclaves inside 
of our thing, our G Suite infrastructure, all that is obviously taken care of. The second thing you raised is very interesting. We were very early on onto the non-end-to-end -end encryption that Zoom obviously was exposed for. They've obviously hurried up and done some things. We now use Zoom in an encrypted fashion. So we actually used our own product to distribute patches to our machines, our employees' machines, to ensure that they all had the correct patches on, which is just stuff our software can do for device management. So yes, there's a number of things in the interviewing process when you are not an employee that we have to ensure, think of it as an enclave or an insulation from our normal infrastructure. Okay. So you need to make sure that all your employees have the up-to-date patches and security yeah, in place. That's exactly right. All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment for our sponsors. Hey, check out what we do at stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional resources to help you build and land great hires. Our guest today is Greg Keller, the CTO of JumpCloud. And we're talking about some of the IT challenges that we're facing in today's work environment. We just covered some of the challenges. Now we're going to talk about how to do it, how to fix them. So with these challenges that are in place, let's talk about two paths. You can either find tools or maybe one of your competitors to do it, or you can do it yourself, right? You can have your IT team go in and build out all this solution. So from a comparison tool, what are the two avenues? What do I need to put in place in order for me to do it myself? Then we'll talk about what your company does and maybe your competitors and how that solves those problems. I would break it down like this. Let's assume you're a average size company, maybe a few hundred employees, maybe the low thousands. Invariably, and let's actually exacerbate the problem a little bit further. Let's assume you're still hiring. The two basic principles that you need to cover, actually there's three, but they're sort of intertwined here, are access control and management of devices. Access control essentially is if I'm an employee of a specific role type, I could be a marketer, a salesperson, an engineer. Each role has a different lens into the various resources that I need access to. Engineers need various tools, marketing people need various tools, salespeople need various tools. And they are only allowed to work in their confines, their sort of enclaves. Having something in place that provides that level of access control and as we say in the industry, attestation meaning you as an IT person can prove at any given time, if anyone were to ever ask me who did what, when, to what, from where, in that order, in that sequence, that is what is required to maintain and be in place. So how do you do that? There are traditional directories. Active Directory is, a, is the stalwart, sort of the famous on-premise Microsoft product. There's products like ours that are more modern cloud-based. But to your point, Rick, you can assemble a patchwork of things as well. It's more complicated. It often may be more costly, but it can be achieved. Example, like how do you gate access to cloud-based resources? Like governing who can get access to Salesforce. How does that work? So if you're doing it by yourself, do you actually need to find some sort of cloud platform that... Here's what this comes down to, and I think this will syncopate it. An employee is one individual, actual human being that works for an entity, an organization. Why would you allow virtual identities to live across every single resource that person has access to, from the network that they join when they walk into the office, to the various cloud-based applications, even to their device, the Windows or MacBook that is handed to them on day one. Many organizations don't do it right. They don't have a governing access control system that will bind that 
human to each and every one of those resources so that, God forbid, Rick, if someone were to go a little crazy and you needed to fire and offboard that user in a heartbeat, how would you do that effectively? So this is a huge challenge for IT people. It gets more complicated when you're dealing in a heterogeneous environment with lots of different vendor tools. You have Google, a little Microsoft, a little Amazon, a little you name it, and you have this big melting pot of resources. This is where it gets very complicated and where Microsoft struggles a bit because Microsoft loves Microsoft things, right? Oh, yeah. But other companies, you know, aren't built like that. They pick and choose what they want. The other aspect, I think more profoundly, are devices. The way we and many strong security-focused IT people look at devices, and when I say devices, it could be a handheld, it could be your laptop. This is where the work gets done. So we look at it as like sort of the gateway. The moment that an employee logs into that box, it better be a safe place. That antivirus better be on, that box better be full disk encrypted, the box better have security measures to protect the user's transactions when they're accessing resources so that, God forbid, again, there's no way a bad guy can step into the middle and grab unencrypted data. All that kind of stuff actually happens. Right now, the bad guys know that you are working from home, Rick. They know that you are not able to go to an office. And we have probably a little different lens into the security world than most companies because we are a security company. I mean, what they're targeting, it gets so sophisticated. They're even targeting home office work that is utilizing an ISP's router. They know that most of these people haven't upgraded it, put a password on. They just go to 10.000 and they can log into your router. And guess what? They own you. They can see your corporate traffic. So should companies be providing a router for each individual employee? Very good question. This is where it gets a little bit more complicated because you have to solve for the least common denominator, the least sophisticated employee. We often say that you have to look at it from that level. The least sophisticated employee in their password is the linchpin to your battle space. <laughs> I know that sounds like a Battlestar Galactica statement, but literally you need to solve for the person with the least sophistication. To answer your question, for any of your listeners, Listeners, obviously know if you're using a ISP provided router, one that you're renting, by the way, they own your data. They can see it all. It's not very hard to go to Best Buy, buy your own router where you can encrypt it, you can secure it. And guess what? Your ISP isn't slurping your data. So if I'm a company though, and let's say I'm a manufacturing company, I got everybody working at home. Should that company be providing a already provisioned, already set up router for each one of their employees to ensure that this doesn't happen? Our privileged workers, like those with the deepest penetrative access into our platform, all do. They're provided those routers. So absolutely, if you really care about security, and you should, I'm not some nutbag. I've just seen now, <laughs> you know, good, seeing this company <laughs> and having built it over the last almost, you know, going into seven years, I've seen a lot. Sure. To give you an idea, literally, not metaphorically painted on our office walls, and now our empty office walls, is the phrase, Paranoia is not retroactive. So you need to maintain a high state of alert and posture to just understand that you don't want a bad day and a bad day is getting popped by a bad guy or one of your employees gets fished. And depending upon the nature of your business, it could be a business ending bad day. So sorry to bring the doom and gloom, but it's not that hard to protect yourself. No, it's multi-factor authentication and own your own routers at home. Okay, I think that's 100% 
great takeaway. So thank you for providing that. Let's talk a little bit about Jump Cloud and what you guys do. So you can do it yourself. You can build out all this. Where would Jump Cloud come in and what would you guys actually provide the company to enable the ability to transition over really easily? Awesome question. Thank you for the op and I'll keep this quick. Jump Cloud is a directory as a service, just to categorize it. Think of it like this. We're an all-in-one cloud-based platform for access control and device management. So simplified, we are a single source of credentials. Your employees need to know exactly one password with multi-factor, and we give them access to any resource from any device from any location. That is what we do. Got it. So it doesn't matter the vendor. It could be Microsoft. It could be Apple. It could be a cloud-based resource. It could be an on-premise resource. We don't care. So to answer the second part of your question, companies prior to COVID that are basically came and do come to purchase our product fit one of three types of profiles. It's a very quick study. The first profile, modern companies, startups that are growing, there are a few hundred employees. They have almost all cloud-based resources. We call them the no directory customer. They probably have used Google G Suite from the very earliest beginnings of their company to basically provide some singular form of an identity, but they don't have any identity on their MacBooks. They all share the same SSID and password for their Wi-Fi, which is terrible. They bring us in, we're cloud-based, nothing goes on-prem, they tie all those resources to one singular version of an employee identity, and that's it. The two other use cases are those that use Microsoft Active Directory. We think highly of the product, but for many companies, it's not scalable for the way they are envisioning their IT future. So we migrate them from AD onto our platform. And the final one is companies that are typically much bigger. They have Microsoft Active Directory. They love it, but they are the ones being really riddled with problems of, what about remote work? Or what about all these non-Microsoft resources or cloud-based resources like Amazon servers? How do we kind of connect what is up in the cloud to what is down on-premise on Earth? And we simplify that for them. So that's GemCloud. All right, Greg, we're getting pretty close on time here. So what would be two or three key takeaways that you would provide the audience that can plug into their business today? Thanks again, first of all, for the time. It's been a Absolutely. pleasure to kind of get to know you the last few weeks. Here's three quick parsable things I would recommend anyone to walk away with. The first is if you're an IT person or an executive listening to this, think remote forever. You're through the looking glass. Get that in your brain that if you have the ability to allow remote work, embrace it, and you're going to see some goodness. And I do think that it's the way of the future. Well, more importantly, I think key talent wants it. I think you're absolutely right. And so much so that we're witnessing this now and we're reaping benefits from it by relaxing. We love being next to each other, but we're relaxing that and allowing folks to live and work remotely. The second is, I think it stems from the first, you have to think about your culture. And I often say, your culture's got to shine through a Zoom meeting. So when you kind of take that and unpack it a bit. You can't be inorganic. You have to learn new ways of speaking your truth. Very often, introverts will pray that someone can read their body language because they don't have the words to say what's on their mind. New ways of thinking, new ways of management to bring that out of employees that may struggle with that, that's on you, Mr. or Mrs. Extrovert. You're going to have to help carry the cross, so to speak, of this generation that is going to be learning how to work remotely through Zoom. 
The third, I would say, is showing empathy. You said something before, Rick, which is productivity is going through the roof. I'm paraphrasing, but for those that are working from home, and guess what? That's true. I think it's a false positive, though. I think what we're experiencing is nervous nature. Work has become a distraction to get away from a lot of bad stuff. We don't know what everybody's home life is like. Is there a bad marriage? Does being forced to live in this environment and having to care for your kids and having their schools break down, what is that like? So the levels of empathy up to and including a boss saying, Rick, back away from the computer, go away, take a day off. You have to check in and monitor the mental health of your employees because this is not normal and we can't sustain this. Yeah, that is super true. Greg, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our community can reach you? Find out more about Jump Cloud. Super simple. Go to jumpcloud.com and all will be revealed. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll link that in the show notes. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our sponsor, Criteria Corporation, and to the team. Our engineer, Christopher Decker, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Ariel Kramer, and a big happy birthday to our creative director, Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we welcome your feedback. After all, this show is for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community and check out our new website if you could at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at stridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Jerome Chernick. Jerome is the founder and CEO of smart recruiters. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Gerard.